Well, good morning again, everyone, and happy Easter again. It is so good to be celebrating with you the love and the life of our Savior God today. This morning, I want to start with you with a story. Uh, This is something that I saw happen about two years or so ago now. Uh, I was just leaving the grocery store, and I was making my way across the parking lot when I saw this man, an elderly man. He had to be at least 90 And he got out of his car and he was going the opposite direction of me. He was headed into the grocery store and he was going slow. His steps were kind of stumbling and shuffling. He had a curve to his back and so he was kind of hunched over and he was just kind of slowly making his way across the parking lot into the store. And so I just kept my eye on him uh, to make sure he got in all right. And he did. He made it across the parking lot, no issues. When he got to those uh, motion-censored sliding glass doors, you know, that they have at grocery stores, he, he paused just outside of its range. And he stood there for a moment, hunched over. And I, I wondered, what, what's going on here? Is everything okay? Uh, but kind of slowly but surely, he, he straightened his back. He puffed out his chest. He threw his arms in the air. And as loud as he could, he said, Abracadabra! <laughs> And then he took one step forward, and wouldn't you know it, but those doors just slid right open. (laughs) And uh, he said this, I think, to himself, but I happened to hear it. He said, I did it. Uh, Now, I don't know if he was just having some fun for himself. That could have been the case. Uh, Or if he actually thought that he had this supernatural ability to control things beyond uh, the seen world. I I don't know. Uh, But as I was thinking this week, it kind of occurred to me that I've been there. I don't mean that I've stood outside a a Jewel Osco yelling abracadabra, but uh, I've been there too. I have pretended to be something or someone I'm not. Uh, There have been moments in my life where I have acted like I have had some sort of supernatural ability. Sometimes I, I pretend like I have it all together, like I am in control, like I am this powerful person and everything will be okay. And maybe you've been there too. I think many of us do. It's, it's one of the ways we cope with this scary world we live in. And we do live in a scary world, don't we? I don't need to explain that too much. We can turn on our TVs or scroll through our Facebook feeds and see scary thing after scary thing, acts of terror or natural disasters or cancer or death or, or the fears and the worries that we have about our kids or our grandkids. We live in a scary world where so much seems like it is out of our control. We can feel so powerless in the scary world we live in. And so one of the ways that we cope with that is that we straighten up our backs, we puff out our chests, we throw our hands in the air, and we act like everything's okay, like we are under control, like we got it. Because uh, what else are we supposed to do? Uh, that's one of the ways we cope with the scary world we live in. The other uh, way we cope, I think sometimes we, we turn in our powerlessness and in our fear to the powerful people around us. And so when we see an act of terror on TV or we watch some natural disaster play out, we look to uh, our politicians or our presidents, those powerful people, for answers. We want them to tell us what's going on. We want them to take action, to do something, to right the wrong and and fix the problem. When we're sick and the the cancer comes, we turn to our doctors to give us the answer and to bring us healing that that we can't give to ourselves. When we're lonely and we're we're scared and we're sad, we turn to teachers or parents or maybe pastors or our bosses. We we turn to those powerful people to, to help us. And that's good. I think we should do that. We should probably all do more of that. Uh, But all of those people in our lives, the the reality is that their power is limited. 
Uh, Sometimes on purpose, we purposely manage and constrain the power of our presidents and politicians for good reason. Uh, But even the the power of our uh, teachers and doctors, that's limited, it's contained. The power of your pastors is limited and constrained. They make mistakes, like when they forget that the choir is singing an opening song. Uh, uh, Every person in this world, uh, our power is limited. There are no all-powerful people. Uh, except for God. And I think we heard that uh, so beautifully in our opening reading for today. We were reminded that we have a God of unparalleled power, which means a couple things for us this morning. It means that because we have a God of unparalleled power in the scary world we live in, we don't have to straighten our backs and puff out our chest and throw our hands in the air and act like we're something we're not. We can just rest easy in Jesus. And it also means that when those powerful people around us, when they let us down, when they don't do what they say they're going to do, and when they're not able to answer our questions, uh, we have a God of unparalleled power that we can go to any time, night, or day. We heard about that unparalleled power in that reading for today. And if you can remember the story, it started with these two women named Mary. And those two women lived in the same scary world that you and I live in. And they had a lot to be afraid of, if you think about it. Here they were, these two women, just days after their God, their Savior, their Lord, their Master, their their dear friend Jesus had been unjustly, unjustified killed. He was murdered for a crime that he never committed. Can you imagine that fear? Uh, Thinking, what's next? And what does that mean if my God, the one who claimed to be my Savior, is dead now? And And what does that mean for me, like tangibly, physically? Are they going to come for me next as his follower? It had to be scary. And yet these two women uh, persisted. They pushed through that fear even when the 12 apostles didn't. And they showed up at the tomb. And and things only get worse. It's terrifying what they see there, right? Do you remember what they saw? They get there and there's an earthquake happening. There's this angel coming down from heaven and his face is glowing and his clothes are as white as snow. They look like lightning. And this angel is moving away that that giant tomb from the the stone from the tomb. Uh, It's a scene that is so terrifying. It says that the 16 highly trained armed Roman guards, that special units force attached to the tomb to protect it and watch over it, that those 16 men fall down like they are dead. I mean, can you imagine being one of these two women seeing all this? The earthquake, the angel, the, the stone, the guards. It, it had to be terrifying. And, and so it's almost comical, isn't it, when, when the angel shows up and the angel says to them so simply, do not be afraid. Easy for you to say, angel, right? You're the one rolling away the stone, and you're not the one watching these 16 men just fall to their death. It had to be terrifying, but the angel gives them a reason, doesn't he? He tells them why they don't have to be afraid. The angel says, don't be afraid because Jesus has risen. See, brothers and sisters, that changes everything for us. That, that type of unparalleled power It changes everything. Because Jesus has risen, we don't have to be afraid. Because the tomb is empty, uh, our lives are defined by love and life now. Now, that does not mean uh, that there won't be scary situations that we face. Of course we will. And in no way do I want to dismiss or, or, or toss to the side the very real troubles and worries and hurts that you have. Those are real, and, and they're there. And they'll, they'll still be there even though Jesus has risen. But what it does mean, what the empty tomb does tell us, what that resurrection of our Savior does, does mean for us, is that these scary things are not the end. 
the, the cancer is not the end of the story. Uh, that death, even death itself, is not the end. These things do not control us. They don't write our stories. No, the empty tomb reminds us that Jesus gets the last word. You see, Jesus has conquered the greatest enemy this world has known, death itself, which stops for no one and comes for everyone. Jesus defeated death. And if we have a God like that, a God of unparalleled power, what do we have to be afraid of? Here's one way to think about it. Uh, I know some of you here today are parents. And as parents, I know some of you have dealt with scared children. I would guess, at some point along the way, right? Children that have been afraid. Uh, For example, maybe your child has woken up in the middle of the night terrified after some dream or nightmare, right? And maybe this is like the 10th day in a row that they've done this. And they're crying out for mom or dad. They're yelling your name, help me, help me. And Now, you know, as a parent, right, things that they don't know. You see things that they don't see. You have a greater perspective. And you know that everything is okay. They don't need to be afraid. You're right there. Yes, that dream happened, but, but you're not going to let anything happen to them. You're just 20 feet down the hall, and, and they don't know that. They can't see that. They don't have your perspective. Now, maybe you let them sweat it out a little bit, right, as a parent, uh, because you want them to learn an important lesson of trust that no matter what, that you got them, that, that you are in control. Or maybe think about it this way. Maybe you're at a a crowded place with your child, a theme park, Disney World, and you're walking with them and you say, do not leave my side. Hold on to my hand. I want you right here with me because I want you to be safe. Uh, But but your child becomes excited and distracted and so they they somehow pull away. They run ahead and you're watching them the whole time, but they're maybe like 10 feet in front of you and at at a certain point they look around and they realize mom or dad isn't there anymore and they're reaching for your hand and and the panic sets in. Oh no, I'm lost. What am I going to do? And so they're crying and they're yelling and you're just watching, right? And you know, you're you're right there. Nothing's going to happen to them. You got it. And I think sometimes that's how it is with our God as we cry out to him wondering, where are you, Lord? Why did you disappear from me? Why aren't you doing something about this? Where is your power? He's there. He's like the parent who has a greater perspective than we do, that who sees things and knows things that in, in our limited minds we, we simply don't. And, and so he calls us to trust in him, sometimes making us kind of sweat it out a little bit so that we would see over time that he will always be there, so that we would learn to lean into his unparalleled power. You see, as Christians, we, we have to learn to live our lives not judging God's power and love by what we see, No, that's not the standard or the gauge of his love and power. We we can't judge God's love and power by what we see because if we do, we'll come up with some crazy uh, conclusions. If we judge God's love and power by what we see, we'll start to think things like, oh my goodness, this act of terror on TV and this flood that I'm watching play out, God must not be here, right? What other explanation is there? Or, or God must not be all that powerful because if he was, why wouldn't he do something? Or, or this cancer that's coming or, or the death that's waiting my loved one, God must not be in control because why would, why would he let this happen? Or, or maybe this must be karma for some sin that I've done years ago that now I'm being punished for. But, but none of that is true. <laughs> karma is stupid and it's not real. <laughs> And God is not following you around waiting to punish you for some past sin that you did. Jesus took your punishment on the cross. He bore the weight of your sin. Of course, there's consequences for the things that we do, but but you have a God that loves you, who is powerful, who, who has unparalleled power. 
And the gauge of that, the way we know that, is not by, by judging him by our temporary circumstances that come and go and change, but by what he's done on the cross. The gauge of God's love and power, the standard, the measure of all that is the empty tomb where he defeated your sin. It doesn't wag its finger at you anymore. Where he conquered Satan and all of his best attacks. Where he came to bring you love and life. That's what we see in the cross and the empty tomb. A God of unparalleled power. Brothers and sisters, the next time that you're afraid and you think about puffing out your chest and putting on this mask and acting the part and pretending like, I got this, everything's okay. Remember, you don't have to put on a show. You can rest easy in your God. And the next time that your politicians or your pastor or your doctor or, or your teacher or your boss or your parent or whoever lets you down and they don't have the answers, remember the empty tomb that you have a God of unparalleled power. The next time you're just downright afraid, remember the words of the angel. Do not be afraid, he said, because Jesus has risen.